Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. We are your hosts. Jessica Sang. And I am Chris Eaton. Oh, what a world we live in, Jessica. What a world we live in. <laughs> we are now a T-minus one week and a day since the release of Godzilla upon the, un- well, actually the suspecting world, if you uh, look at the uh, box office, turns out a lot of people wanted Godzilla in their lives. Yes, I was actually going to say, it's not out in all the countries, is it? No, China is not open yet, and it's not open in Japan. It does not open in Japan until July, I believe. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You would think the first two countries would be America and Japan. Nope, no. I think they've learned that you got to ride a wave of release. You can't do it all at the same time. Also, not, not to mention that China kind of bootlegs a lot of our films, so I think they're kind of waiting to the last minute for that one. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, seeing if you ever, but... if you ever stroll through, like, torrent sites, you'll see, like, a lot of them come from China. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is, or if you go to like a Chinese DVD rental blockbuster, like <laughs> it's all bootleg. It, it is. It's so... all bootleg. I speak from experience, mm-hmm. people. So yeah, I know. I live in the greater LA area, so if you see those guys selling them on the corners, if if they're not cameras, they're usually like really decent bootlegs ripped off from uh, from China and possibly Russia. It's a little bootlegging one one for you. It is. It is, especially around Chinese New Year. Mm-hmm. You're going through the booths. I don't know if you have a Chinese New Year festival out there, but we have one here in the various uh, Los mm-hmm. Angeles mm-hmm. cities and sub-cities. And you'll go through, and you'll be like, oh, you've got all these great DVDs. And I'm like, a bootleg of a Hobbit? It just yeah. came out a month ago. Exactly. <laughs> um, but it's already there in full form, you know? And it's a color-printed DVD jacket. Mm-hmm. Well, I was like, oh my goodness. Well, it's like my buddy, he's uh, he's from the Philippines, and uh, back in high school, he went to uh, he went to go visit his brother over there. He was gone for a week, and when he came back, he's like, hey, I got you guys presents. And he whips out a copy of Lord of the Rings, uh, Fellowship of the Ring, and he went in January. <laughs> this is January, and the movie came out in December. I'm like, where did you get this from? He's like, oh, they sold it at the, uh, the liquor store around the corner where my brother lives. I'm like, what? Like, how much was he? He's like, it was 10 bucks. I bought like five of them. Like, you got through customs with these? He's like, oh, they didn't even check, dude. <laughs> so uh, I pop it in, and it's a, it's an Academy screener that had gone out over there. Because it, says property, oh it says property of New Line in tiny little letters underneath it. It was a perfectly clean copy. I threw it on in our class uh, at school. Everyone was just like, how'd you get this? I'm like, ancient Chinese secret. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, nah, it's uh, it's it, it, it provides... Uh, a moral questionability whether or not you want to trudge out 20 something dollars for two people to see a movie or you know roll the dice on either downloading it or giving ten dollars to a dude on the street that's true it's all that, that is high. true and then and now you can torrent it too or stream it yeah. backwards the, the movie's flipped mirrored yep it's all about how you want to watch it which is uh, which brings us to that this episode today obviously is going to be the review of the film I don't know how to, uh, how we're, you know what, uh, we'll do this. So, Jessica, me being the the gentleman that I am, I'm going to allow ladies first. But I want to give a little leeway that I've seen it twice, and before I get into it, I want to say that in, in, the view, in terms of viewing experience, it made a world of difference of how you see this film. I'm just going to put it out there right away for those who may have not liked the movie or those who may have liked the movie. So, that I'll get into on my part, but I will start 
with you first, because I think a lot of people are really curious to hear what you think more than my, you know, yapping mouth. No, I was going to say, the there was a huge difference. The podcast before, you were so excited. You were like, T-minus three days. Like, mm-hmm. I would see it on my Facebook status. <laughs> One time you were like, 16 hours. Yeah. See, and then you uploaded a picture of the ticket that mm-hmm. you were holding. Oh, yeah. And then right now, you sounded torn. It was, you it, sounded yeah. like like you're excited but yet in distress you know it it is interesting i think i um i felt a lot of like hardcore fans because i for 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 most of the people that i talk to who aren't hardcore fans they love this movie like they're like oh my god this was awesome most hardcore fans i talked to were just like yeah Uh uh-huh yeah it was all right it's all right it's all right could be better you know okay all right all right we'll go with that I th- you know I, f- I think it's a lot of like what hardcore Transformers fans whenever they see uh, the Michael Bay movies and the general public just eating them with a big spoon of sugar and they're all like this isn't Transformers damn it uh, I did not have that same reaction but I will say that maybe I let the hype overtake me just a little bit too much oh but you know it was good to be excited for something that we had looked forward to it especially was. after the eight. It was, and especially the fact that it has provided so many good things afterwards. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But in the meantime, Jessica, why don't you give the lovely listeners your opinion first, and then uh, I'll chime in after that. Well, you know, the thing is, I, and this is going to be a very spoiler podcast, so for those who, you know, want to wait until the crowds die down Mm -hmm. to watch it, and I don't blame you because, you know, why do you want to see them? room crowded full of people mm-hmm. um, then you may not want to listen to this episode uh, however for those who have already seen it which I'm guessing is the majority of us mm-hmm. um, so I'm just going to continue going <laughs> it was not what I expected from what I saw in the trailers mm-hmm. I actually expected when a movie is named after a character there might be more of that character mm-hmm. but so I expected actually more Godzilla fighting or Godzilla action between him and the Mutos. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of expected more for, for that, and that is pretty much my main hopes and wants that I didn't really get. Now, with that being said, I don't know how much of it is Max Bornstein, the writer, having to cater to people above him mm-hmm. following a certain rule and guideline or how much it was actually him going, yes, I feel the need to cut away at every scene. I, you know, when every scene we're about to see Godzilla do something, you know, it kind of cuts away to one of the human interest perspectives. Mm-hmm. So we don't, we're not there for the actual making of the film. So mm-hmm. we don't, we can't be like, oh, the writer doesn't know what he's doing or the director. We don't know. There's always people above them yeah. and below them. And we also don't know how much was left in the cutting room floor that we might see as a DVD extra or mm. special feature, but as the film itself, I kind of would like more fighting. I kind of felt in many ways it was very reminiscent to uh, The Dark Knight Rises, mm-hmm. where it's named after a major character, but you only saw them for so long, a, a very insignificant portion of the film. Mm-hmm. However, when they do show up, it's awesome. Yeah. However, it's <laughs> not in most of it. I almost felt like, for those who watch Community out there, there is an episode where it's 
pretty much story A. You see Jeff Winger, you know, you see Annie doing whatever. And then you realize that Abed isn't really in the story. Mm -hmm. And then you find out, like, Shirley asks Abed, like, oh, you know, how was your day or whatever. He was like, good. And you actually see that the entire time, and someone put this up on YouTube, he was helping a young couple because the lady was about to give birth. So as you're re-watching all the scenes of community, you see all, you know, Jeff Wingers in the fore, you know, foreground mm. and everything. But in the background, Abbott's helping a girl give birth. <laughs> and so I kind of feel like the foreground is Ford, Aaron Taylor Johnson, and the background is Godzilla doing some kick-ass stuff. Mm-hmm. The background is them, and I'm kind of like, oh, I wish it was kind of the opposite. But I understand that right now, whether it's right or wrong, Hollywood's very big on human interest pieces. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have Transformers, you have, I don't know how Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle will do. I mean, will it mostly follow the people, the humans? I don't know, possibly. But that's kind of what we're seeing. And so I don't know how much of it is a trend or, you know, whether that was not on purpose. But I kind of felt like it was Ford and his buddy Godzilla. Um, especially the part where he falls from exhaustion, mm-hmm. which I understand because he's been going through so much on the boat as he's kind of sailing away. Mm-hmm. And then Godzilla also falls from exhaustion <laughs> for finding the mutos on land. I know that they can't see each other, mm-hmm. but from the way it's cutting back and forth, it looks almost like they're looking longly at, you, at each other. Like they're both falling at the same time. And for some reason, the commercial for my buddy, the toy, was playing in my head <laughs> when I was watching it. You know, it's like, whatever you do, your buddy does too. And so I was kind of oh like, what is, what is happening right now? Um, there are so many I kids was... born in 1992 that have no idea what that reference is right now. <laughs> and of course, for the girls, it's like my size Barbie. Mm-hmm. Like my little or something I didn't have that one but um, I kind of felt like that was what was happening you know because they're both falling out of exhaustion at the same time mm-hmm. um, however I guess I would start with all the points I preferred that were slightly stronger you know there's a lot of human interest and I can want we were led to believe in the trailer that Ken Watanabe and Brian Cranston were going to be major characters or major players mm-hmm. Uh I saw that my friends were shocked when, uh, you know, Walter White went out, mm-hmm. you know, kind of 45 minutes into the film. And he was a really great character. Uh, Ken Watanabe's character, many people felt, including me, that he was there because it made sense to have a Japanese man in a Toho-inspired movie. Mm-hmm. However, he pretty much had the same facial expression in a lot of the scenes. And he's a great actor. Yeah. So I don't think he was purposely trying to, like, not act and get a Razzie Award or anything. Mm-hmm. He just, whatever, how he was directed or what they told him to do, he did the best that he could with the lines. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of taking on and off his glasses. Mm-hmm. Just like, is it David Caruso? <laughs> you know, a lot of just and deal with was, it. Yes, you know, I can almost hear the soundtrack. Mm. You know, he and he just takes off his glasses, and he does a lot, what I like to call the uh, 11th Doctor movement, where he'll turn slowly to the right or to the left, mm-hmm. and then he would just look kind of into the distance like he's really concentrated and then walk toward the screen. So it's like he's in the pensive moment, mm-hmm. but it's like it doesn't really add to anything. 
you know, and throughout the film, they really only say Godzilla or Gojira three times, three or four times at the most. They didn't really, they said Ford's name more than they said the actual creature's name, Mm -hmm. which I'm kind of like, I mean, I know you don't want to oversaturate it by saying Gojira or Godzilla, but there should be more mention of the name, you know, and so... I personally understood that a lot of purists, as we would like to call them, preferred that Godzilla didn't start out as a good guy, mm-hmm. quote, guy, that he started out as a bad guy. However, people want to root for the good guy. Yeah. You know, and so I understand that now at this time and age, it's not really something that they, it's not really a type of idea or concept that we kind of embrace now as easily. Mm-hmm. So, so I understand some peers were kind of unhappy. They were like, it's a mistake to make him a good guy in the first film. Because come Godzilla 2 and 3, no wonder he's the greatest superhero. They even says in the film, like, King of the Monsters, like, Savior of Mankind or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that, that felt, uh, that felt, um, it felt very apt but very corny at the same time. Yes, it was very, a friend had put in that it's very 70s. Yeah, it was you know, very, he goes, it was super he's like, 70s. You know, I, he goes, I half expected, you know, he and I were talking, we half expected the Ford's family to be standing on top of a building and waving goodbye Godzilla <laughs> while he lumbers back into the ocean. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I preferred it if he started out as more of an ambiguous, like, you know, is he good, is he bad, is he an anti-hero, mm-hmm. than straight up hero. My friends were shocked how courteous he was when he went under a boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was a, that, that was a little um, seemingly uncharacteristic, but it, it did give an idea that, that uh, there's something more to play than like a weird animalistic instinct up in his head. Yes. Yes, no, I understand that. Um, I kind of felt like, you know, I believe that because Max had said multiple times, and I believe him, that he's rewatched all 28 films, mm-hmm. possibly more than one. But when you have so many variations or incarnations of Godzilla's character, he has to somehow emulgate it into one, mm-hmm. you know, or pick what he feels is best or perhaps adapt from a story, you know, what he feels is best mm-hmm. for what fits to us now. And a lot of it is, a lot of my friends actually didn't mind the explanation that he was something from a more primitive world, along with me tells them that he was an apex predator and things were much larger then. Yeah, that, that actually, uh, I think a lot of people actually really dug that kind of, the explanation for him, um, that he wasn't just a dinosaur mutate, like it was literally like, there's a whole species of these things out there, along with a bunch of other stuff, which was really cool because then that gives the explanation for further, you know, kaijus later on. Like, if you're not doing a space monster or you're doing a genetic aberration and it's just another monster from Godzilla's times, like, okay, that makes sense. Dug out of the ground, came from the same time Godzilla did, that's why he's gotta go fight him. Yeah, yeah, and I understand that from a certain standpoint, because also back then our climate was different. So, you know, there's radiation, more Mm -hmm. ammonia, there's more this, there's more that, there was more, you know... There's so many more minerals and elements mm-hmm. and chemicals at the time. And not, uh, I and believe, oh, I'm sorry, time, uh, 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 sorry, an episode of Cosmos actually just talked about this. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was Neil Tyson DeGrasse walking around with, like, super centipedes and stuff. They, as he put it, it's like, the Earth was super rich with oxygen, so you had bugs the size of minivans running around. 
Which, on a side note, is it just me or does Neil Tyson DeGrasse feel like the uh, the Lando Calrissian of the science community? Yes, yes, <laughs> he very much is. <laughs> I was actually just thinking the same. Mm -hmm. Like I just expect him to be like just like going up to women, being very suave, and just dropping literally dropping science on people. Yes. In fact, you know what? Yes. I, I, you know, we need to get get him and Bill Nye, the science guy, together and have them uh, have them star in, in a uh, land uh, as a Lando and a Han Solo type characters in various adventures where they just use science to beat the crap out of people. That is a brilliant idea. You guys heard it first. <laughs> it this, this idea is patented and copyrighted and trademarked by All Rights Reserved by Chris Eaton. <laughs> Because um, verbal confirmation mm -hmm. is the most, it's the best type of confirmation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I understood that, but, you know, that type of explanation of where Godzilla came from, because a lot of my friends was like, no, I could buy that, like dinosaurs were bigger then, you know, and they're yeah. constantly finding larger and larger fossils. However, I understand that a lot of people enjoyed the original explanation, that he was something you know, where it was testing and human involvement and it was kind of a result of intervention by people. You know, that we created something like a monster. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that there was, there was, we were involved in the reason why we kind of have puzzle and stuff. You know, but some people didn't like that. They don't like the whole, the concept, the idea. They prefer something much more simple, which was, you know, primitive. Um, because there was less of a political warfare explanation for it. Yeah, I, you know. Yeah, I saw people take um, take a bit of umbrage with that, if you will, to the fact that uh, it's like it, 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 they took away a lot of the uh, the atomic metaphor. Yes. Yes. Which I, I oh, he, which, well, I'm sorry. Which uh, to to which I argued. Look, the first movie was very high up on that, and in yeah, other movies. Um, they they kind of re-examine the themes mostly by Alanti, but for the most part, after the second one, it was just it turned into you know a romper room of giant monsters beating the crap out of each other. So I, I think we need to kind of get off the high horrors of the fact that yes, he was a nuclear allegory. It feels like we're you know the community is almost using that as a security blanket to try to explain to non-fans of like how serious Godzilla is. Right, right. And, I, and look, I'm not trying to kind of rag on. Look, the first film is brilliant. It's, it's a great thing. But you're going to look at King Kong versus Godzilla. You're going to look at Godzilla versus uh, the sea monster in the same light as the original one. As, as you know, it's a great atomic metaphor. When literally there are points in sea monster where he's like literally napping and hanging out with an island girl. <laughs> and yes, I know it was supposed to be King Kong, but they... Toho just said, screw it, and it's like, we're just throwing Godzilla doing the same aneurysms. So clearly, they didn't care after that point. They cared about the one almighty god, the mighty yen, or dollar, which whichever country you're in. Right. No, I can't let you But, um, yeah, no, there was, there was so much with the film that I was thinking as I was watching it. You know, and I understand, like, People said Ford, Aaron Taylor Johnson was a very bland character. I mean, in a way, yes, but 
we're mostly using just kind of his point of view mm-hmm. to kind of follow the story. I don't necessarily feel that Elizabeth Olsen and the son's character was really needed, mm-hmm. but it's a human interest to tug at the fact that this soldier had a family and he's trying to find his way back to his family. Yeah. No, he's not a soldier that's just going. I mean, either way, I think it would have worked. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but I really, I mean, I can't wait for all the memes when Avengers 2 come out. Uh, however, because that's all I was thinking. Um, however, you know, there's there's a lot to it. You know, why were, if you shut down the city, why are kids on the bus going through a bridge? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. But those are all kinds of smaller things. There was actually a lot of things that I did enjoy. Um, but much like my feelings toward the Nolan Batman films, it's always moments that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the moments I enjoy is, obviously, this is one of the few moments I think Max really did his research well with the military. They are, obviously, I had one friend who's a tank commander and was like, first of all, all the tanks that were on the bridge driving with the hatch open or something like that, they would have all been fired mm-hmm. or, or let go. But I think that was an oversight. However, the military was trying to make wise decisions. Yeah. And they weren't trying to. You always have the movies that are like, what's 100,000 people to save 2 million or something. Yeah, yeah. However, the person in command was like, no, we don't want to harm the citizens. Mm-hmm. We want to draw them away, draw Godzilla and Mutos away, you know, and try to make it so we have the least damage and we can try to take out all of them at once or whatever they're their plan, their line of thinking was, mm-hmm. you know, and I liked that because they were trying to help people. And among the band of brothers, there wasn't one dude who was thinking he's the big gun, who's like, no, well, what do you know, just because your dad, you know, worked in Japan. There wasn't, there was none of that. They were all, I mean, there was that one soldier that was scared mm-hmm. of whatever was happening, but they didn't really seem to have any real conflict, you know, and I kind of, I really liked that. And the fact is that they let him on because he was the only one, I think, that was able to work with bombing devices. Yeah, he was. You know, a, detonating uh... devices. They, you know, they were had there was some tiff a little back and forth, but they let him on. Mm-hmm. They didn't try to do kind of like a macho comparison of who was better than not. There was no like win complex among the men. Yeah. And even when try to get it across the bridge Mm -hmm. they split up into teams they were trying to help each other there was no like no i can disarm it better than you can he's like no this is analog i know what i'm doing Mm -hmm. and then they were like all right we'll let you do it there is no fighting among you know no fighting among the group which i really like because there's no need for extra drama i know people like that stuff Mm -hmm. there was no need for that you know and they tried you know to make things they were trying to make the military actually had a really great plan mm-hmm. you know however i know ken Watanabe's plan of let them fight is more awesome in a rock and sock and robot type of way mm-hmm. however you know the risk is how do they know godzilla's gonna win yeah. none of us were alive back in the stone age exactly. so but it would have been fun to see them fight more mm-hmm. um i actually really felt bad for the mutos <laughs> you know when they were handing off the radiation to each other i'm like mm-hmm. They just want to be alone and have babies. They're so cute. They're in love. Leave them alone. I was like so, so sad. I was like, aww, during the film. And my mm-hmm. friends turned around and they were like, no, they're the enemy. Just 
enemy. <laughs> and then I was like, I can't help it. I rooted for the kaiju during the Pacific Rim movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but there was, it was really great, especially the fights. I felt like Godzilla doesn't exhaust that easily. But he seemed to. Maybe he's been in the water too long. I don't know what's happening. Perhaps he was mm-hmm. snoozing. Um, I did like, obviously, it was two versus one, you know. So, I mean, I could see how he seemed. There were moments where he seemed like he was outmatched and then moments where he was pulling a moment from Miracle with Kurt Russell where all of a sudden <laughs> he's making a comeback. Yeah. Uh, however, you know, I mean, there's two of them. You know, one's bigger than the other. One flies, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I love the... Favorite parts are obviously the tail splitting, mm-hmm. the bone in half, and of course the building falls on top of him. And then uh, when he, I was, I was pretty sure they were gonna just open up the jaw of the mutos, much like I would do to my dog when he accidentally eats a chicken bone, mm-hmm. uh, and just pry its jaws open. But then the atomic breath came. The moment I saw his body start to glow, I freaked out. Mm-hmm. Nobody around me knew what was happening. <laughs> None of my friends knew what was happening. And when the atomic breath come out, they were like, oh, my God, this is what we've waited two hours for. Mm-hmm. Uh, they absolutely know. That was great. That was amazing. I know some people don't like his character design. Personally, I like it. I think he looks like a vinyl teddy bear, like something that's real cute. Mm-hmm. You know, like a pop Funko figure, those big ones that are nine inches tall. Yeah. You want to hug it because it's cute, but it's kind of hard because it's made out of a solid material. Mm -hmm. Uh, Godzilla, the way he moved, the way he walked, he looked very like a teddy bear, a tired teddy bear. (laughs) When he went back into the ocean, I was thinking of the memes of Sad Keanu. (laughs) Or also of Ben Affleck next to the uh, Batmobile. Oh, the sad Batman memes. Yeah, where he just kind of lumbers back into the ocean like it ain't no thing. Yeah. But he was just like, whoop, here it goes. I can only imagine, like, Mystery Science Theater 3000 mm-hmm. doing a voiceover where he's just talking, especially when he decides to take a nap and then wake up, you know? Yeah. Just to know, when he got up, everyone around him is dead, by the way, people. Because when he got up, he most likely stepped on about 50 people. There's, yeah, without- there's a good chance of that. There's a very, very out- good outside chance of that. They don't show you, though. They don't show you, no. Just like they don't show whether that dog survived or not. And I remember still thinking at the part, I'm like, Chris, you freaking lied to me to share my feelings. Uh, that dog did not survive. However, my friends had a three theory why it survived. You know, dogs are faster than humans. Mm-hmm. Dogs have better survival instincts. By the time the water actually reached him, it most likely receded. Because it's a wave, it's mm-hmm. not a flood. Yeah. It's a wave. And it most likely the dog, like most animals, have climbed to a higher area. Yeah. I personally think the dog is dead, and that actually I, it was on my mind for about 10 minutes. <laughs> However, I was like, Chris Eaton, you suck. Um, but, but my friends were like, no, I think your friend's right. I do think the dog survived. Um, you know, but there was a lot. I do like the fact that you see the fighting on the background of the TV, mm-hmm. and Ford's son yells, Look, mommy, dinosaurs are mm-hmm. fighting. Because that's very reminiscent to how we felt or how I felt as a child. Yeah. When I'm watching it, I think it's dinosaurs fighting. Mm-hmm. You know? So there was there was a lot of that. And the Mutos looked great. I love the part with the train scene 
where you think you've been in the mountain, mm-hmm. but the it's... person's actually, I mean, can they not feel it's breathing? I don't know. But it was there above them this entire time. It was. And they, they, they did uh, they did cheat a little bit with that. The fact that it was just kind of hanging out there and you didn't really hear it. Now, you know, you know it's close because you see all the fire and everything coming from, uh, you know, from the, the, the military fighting it down, down river. But the fact that it was just kind of like hanging loose, you know, just against the mountainside uh, when they showed up, that, that was a little bit of a cheat. But I gave him it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I actually, I actually liked the character design. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little small, but you know, I mean, I can see that. You know, however, I have friends who are like, oh no, I really like the character design. And some are like, mm, his head is slightly too small. You know, and I want him to have bigger eyes. Yeah, I mean, I liked his eyes. You know what? But, you know what the, the the designs felt like, uh, especially for the female. The female felt like. They took the main Cloverfield concept, bulked it up, and then added um, a lot of, uh, like, the Iris characteristics from Gamma 3. Right, right. Especially with, like, the glowing eye head kind of thing and just the, the shape of it. Um, the the actual main head designs felt very, I want to say Gauss-ish in design as well, like, especially the newer ones. Right, right. I get what you mean. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, they 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 worked well. If uh, it, it, they they pulled it off very well, I I, I enjoyed them. Um, they uh, are they gonna be more memorable? No, I think they're gonna go in that category of like where Orga stands. It's like unique design. Uh, they'll probably stand high, stand the test of time higher than like characters like Orga and stuff like that. But uh, they're they're um, I don't know. I I, I kind of lost my train of thought where I was going with this. But yeah, they're they're, they're okay. okay. They're There's okay. So much to think about. Yeah, <laughs> I'm putting my I'm putting I'm listening to you and I'm also putting together my my little uh, my little cliff notes in my head. What uh, the stuff I, I want to touch upon in a minute. Yeah, I mean, a friend actually said that it's overall not a bad movie, but it would be a great Godzilla film in 45 minutes. So actually, a lot of my friends came back and they rewatched most of the 28 movies, mm-hmm. and you know their Facebook status says. It's not because Godzilla is bad. It's there's actually it's a pretty decent movie, and you know there are much worse movies out there, mm-hmm. and that the fighting was absolutely great. Uh, however, they were like we felt like we needed more Godzilla to satiate our appetite, you know, more Godzilla fighting. So they went mm-hmm. back and they were watching like Destroy All Monsters and the original Gojira, and they were watching you know Godzilla vs Mecha Godzilla. So they were watching like a bunch because I saw their Facebook stats. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, I do I do think that it... Of course, when I came out, I heard a guy behind me go, well, there's always the next Gamera film. <laughs> uh, which, you know, we saw we saw that it was announced because yeah. we talked about it. Uh, however, I do see this film... I definitely see it having a sequel, mm-hmm. and I will, ver- I will be very, very excited, and I will look forward to the sequel. Um, I think the sequel will actually have more Godzilla. Oh, yeah. It'll de- it de- it already will. established. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of felt like there's a lot of teasing in the trailers that we saw, especially during WonderCon, and I was kind of hoping for more mm-hmm. in this film. But, you know, their fight scenes were definitely worth it at the end. I stayed all the way till the end of the credits because you never know they might pull a Marvel. But they, sadly, alas, did not. Yeah. I, uh, but I would have been really excited if there was. I was uh, talking to my buddy at the end of that um, 
we were he got up and was just like I gotta I gotta go pee, dude. And um like I was staying throughout the you know, through the credits and then literally as um as I uh got up and walked out, as I saw the blue screen hit, everyone was just like, Oh and I see him standing there, I'm like, We've we've all been horribly reprogrammed by, by Marvel. Yes. We've, yes, we we've have. We've all come to expect just little Easter eggs at the end for everything now. And it is diabolical because it does get you to, gets people to sit through the credits, something they, they, you know, 10 years ago you would never do. He was like, oh, credits up. Okay, let's go. Uh, but now it's like, you know, it's like, oh, well, there's nothing? Oh, well, that just takes me out of the whole movie. How dare you? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. But, um, no, and thinking back, I really love the hail jump. It was a gorgeous scene. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a couple of things like when Ford says, can we kill it? Mm-hmm. It's not in the film. Mm-hmm. Also, I like the fact that he didn't grow up to be a severely damaged person, mm-hmm. despite the way what happened to his mom and obviously his dad is now searching for all kinds of things. Yeah. Answers. Uh, he didn't grow up to be a damaged person. He has a wife and a child. And even though his dad needs to be bailed out, he goes and he gets him and you know, he helps them out when they want to go back to their old home place, mm-hmm. you know, hometown. Like, he's not a damaged person because there's no need for that extra drama. Yeah. Um, and plus, the dad doesn't even make it mm-hmm. after the film, so there's there's no need for that. We don't need an emo kid doing things the entire time. So, you know, there were a lot of really good points, and there was a lot of points I wish they were a little bit different or a little bit stronger, but I feel like you know, this would be a good lead-up to a second film. Mm-hmm. You know, and there are movies out there where the sequel is better than the first. Some would argue, you know? a lot of people would argue that's exactly the way with uh, the Batman trilogy. You know, the I thought f- you were going to say Captain America. Uh, yeah, people <laughs> would say that too. My, like, like I said, my dad hated the first Captain America, loved the second Captain America. So, But as he put it, though, it's like they got... They got Captain America down in the second one more than they did in the first one, and also you said that the, they improved the costume, uh, you know, greatly too. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Yeah, the same with Batman. It's like Batman Begins, another legendary film. Not a whole lot of Batman in it. It's a, it's mostly a character piece, and when you get him, you get him. It's really good. But then the Dark Knight comes out, and you have a strong villain. You have uh, interesting. You know, story to go along with it, and then you get you actually got a lot more Batman for your buck too, as well. So, you know, there's I I, I got a feeling Legendary knows what they're what they're doing with it. You know, they they do have they have a much better track record than many other studios, and they do have their occasional misses, like the first um the 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 first Clash of the Titans. I would say was a bit of a was a definite miss. Um, but then again, you know, they're also responsible for stuff like Watchmen, which I still hold Watchmen up to be like a great movie. So they, they I, I think the, uh, I, I think that continuing the series in their hands is going is going to be a, a good thing, especially you know once you know eight years from now when Part Three is coming out and everyone's looking back, and I do think it'll make it'll bring the the fandom into a much better light than it already has been. So right. Right, no, I get exactly what you mean. And, you know, there was a lot of it that, you know, as a kid I was so excited. I mean, first of all, you know, I was telling my mom, she was like, there is no pleasing you. And I was like, one day I'll make a great Godzilla film my way. Possibly first person I call would be you. Uh, However, I told him, I go, but, but is 100% better than 1998. And my mother was like, okay 
And so she didn't say anything, but she was trying to wrap her head around how it's 100% better, but yet not exactly what I wanted. Well, it's like, it's, it's like, yeah. Well, it's it's the, the thing, there's no pleasing anyway, but it's also like that uh, IMAX um, uh, uh, picture you posted of the, it says Godzilla and IMAX, now with 100% less Matthew Broderick. <laughs> yeah. It's up on the Facebook page if you want to check it out. Whoever put that up there on that on that electronic sign deserves at least, you know, a nice uh a nice coke. Just a just a tall glass. Like here you go, you deserve this. Yeah, it's on like a marquee mm-hmm. that like shows the time. And date yeah, it says the the showing time in the title of the movie. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, I wanna well, it was hilarious. So, yeah, when I saw that, I was like, I have to, I have to repost this and then like tag every Godzilla friend I know on my Facebook list. All right. So overall, uh, what would you rate the movie at? It's like at one out of five. Oh, I thought, I thought we were gonna do grading, like elementary school, not oh, the check and check buses, okay, so, but like A through E. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't want to stereotype, but like a true Asian, though, you get properly <laughs> stamp it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so out of a uh, from a, from an F to an A, where where would you put this then? Uh, a B plus. Solid B plus. Yep. Uh. And pluses count. Yes. Oh, In yes, they book. do. Unless you watch Community, once you find out that minuses are aren't real. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. I made that Community reference to a lot of my friends, and sadly, most of them did not get it. They just kind of looked at you uh, with like dead eyes, like, "What are you talking about?" And then I said, you know, now that that show is sadly canceled, you now have no excuse to marathon through. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a great show. Season four gets a little rocky, but it picks back up in season five. It does, and R.I.P. <laughs> than a movie. Yeah. I mean, there might be some way. Maybe Hulu or Netflix will make an original, semi-original series, but Arrested Development style. Um, but we'll see. Hopefully. Hopefully. All right. Yes. Well, as for my take, um, it, as I kind of uh, positioned earlier, I saw the movie twice. I saw it within um, a 48-hour period of each other. So I saw it th- th- opening night Thursday in IMAX, and then I went Saturday night, took my dad, and saw it in Dolby Atmos with 2D. So, And there were two very different screenings. Um IMAX, obviously, I was hyped. I was just, like, on a Godzilla sugar rush. I had, you know, I got there early, got my seat, I got my giant Mr. Pib, I got uh, my nice pretzel, I got uh, all the accoutrements I could think of, sat down. Theater was packed, which was really, which really brought, like, a a tear to my eye because the fact that I was just there two weeks prior to see Amazing Spider-Man, same showing, and the theater was like a quarter full, so it really showed. It's like, oh wow, people really are like, really want to, you know, want to see this film. So, um, part of the issue was I had two buddies that were supposed to come, and I was texting them like, dude, I can't. I got people, you know, hounding me for these seats. Where are you at? And no one's returning me, so I'm like, I'm kind of fretting over that. Uh, my other buddy shows up. We, you know, I give him the buffer seat, but we saw like people hounding us. So, movie starts. I'm like, all right, whatever. So turn off the uh, turn off the phone. Sit down. Movie's rolling. Where we're sitting, the 3D wasn't the greatest. I didn't. And normally we go see things in IMAX specifically for the 3D because usually IMAX 3D, the true IMAX. I'm talking about the giant, massive auditorium with the huge screen, not the 
not 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 the crappy new ones that they have put where it's just like a slightly bigger screen with the IMAX sound system in like a normal auditorium. So the the Ontario one over here in California has the, the giant screen, and usually the 3D's uh, spectacular because the projector is awesome. For some reason though, the 3D I think it might just be the the up the post conversion process just really muddled the crap out of the uh, the picture because I'm sitting there watching it and. You slightly turn your head, and it's all hazy, and there are points when, like, it didn't really even matter. It felt like I was just watching normal 2D, because it wasn't even really popping. Like, like say, you know, as bad as Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2 was, it had brilliant 3D. Uh, 300, Rise of the Empire, 3D was awesome. Uh, the last four or five films we saw there were fantastic in 3D. This, nothing. And on top of that, the freaking AC wasn't working. Like it was. Oh God! Yes. Oh yeah! For everyone who didn't know, how hot was it that day? Uh, let's see. It was 104 out where I where I was. That was out in the Inland Empire in uh in California. So that's a big deserty area, and it was 104 around 1:45 p.m. And the movie started at seven, so it had dropped to a lovely 94 degrees outside. And uh, yeah, and you have a theater packed with about. 300 people and no AC working. So it got a little it got a little moist. I'm not I'm not going to lie. Halfway through I'm like sweating and my heart's kind of racing cuz it's hot and I'm like I'm like what what the heck is going on? So I turn to my buddy I'm like hey man is the does it feel like the AC's off in here and I see a a bead of sweat roll down his head he's like yeah. So um I saw the dude next to him get up and go and complain. He comes and's like yeah, I just told him it's like the AC's off. He turn it on. And then I look over to the other side, another person got up and came back home and said, yeah, yeah, I told him to turn the AC on. And this was about 45 minutes into the film. So the point where Godzilla is shoving the Mutos down the street, I kind of look, I'm like, it's been like a good hour. The AC is still not on. And we're all like sweating and it just reeks of humanity in this place. It smells like a petting zoo now. So it that was kind of taking me out of it, because I'm a large man, and I don't do well in the heat, so my, like, my my head was just kind of like, like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm enjoying it, I'm, I'm in this, but it's just like oh, god it's just hot, and I can just, you can just smell the odor off of everyone in, in there, so that that took me a bit out of the uh, about out of the experience, and the other problem the other thing was, yeah, I, I hyped myself up a bit for it, and it was going along, I knew to not to expect a ton of Godzilla but when the fight scenes came along, the thing that was bothering me was the cutting away as soon as they did, when they started. It was just like, okay, enough of the teasing, just give us the big the big payoff. Because that's what a lot of reviews are reading. It's like, oh, the, the, the ending fight scene was fantastic. And I'm sitting there watching, I'm like, it's, yeah, it's, it's good, but it's very minimalistic. And to a point towards, it almost got annoying. So when I walked out of the movie and into the AC, I'm just like, oh, I can breathe again. My buddy turns to me, he's like, so, huh? Do you like it? Because they always they always give me crap because I I hyped Cloverfield up so much, and then walked out of it hating it. So they're expecting this again. I'm like, no. But you know what? Give me give me like a day to really sit on this. She's like, oh, you see, you didn't like it. I'm like, no, no, no. It's not that I didn't like it. It's just something felt off. So, cut to uh, you know, literally a week from a week ago from when we were recording what from this night we were recording this uh, Saturday that Saturday. I grab my dad because I told him, "Hey, we're gonna go watch Godzilla." We go watch it at a uh, at a uh, Kikorian movie theater 
and uh, by my house. They had just put uh, the Dolby Atmos um, sound system in there. So if you don't know what that is, that is like the top of the line sound system. This is like literally 360 degrees up and down of sound, and it is awesome. So we sat in there, watched it 2D, the Atmos, and the second Godzilla comes on screen and he roars, it's just like beating you in the face with 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 just you know sound and it's just like whoa and it, it was a completely different experience Walk, walking out that second time i there was a so much more i noticed about the film that i was like um uh, wow i didn't see that the first time i dug it far more and my experience of what came out is i like this movie a lot is it a perfect film no but is it a suitable godzilla film yes in many ways and it was the fact that they got a lot of the character traits that I really wanted down. And the fact that uh, even the first time out, I didn't even really notice. It's like, oh yeah, Godzilla was the good guy in this movie. Because the way the trailers build, it's like he's the big anti-hero. He's just this mass, you know, force of nature. And he really was. And it was really more Godzilla circa 1970s where he's fighting Hidori, he's fighting Megalon, he's fighting, uh, you know, Gigan and Ghidra, where he's, he is the hero. Except this one, they gave him a bit of the uh, the uh, the the Detective Murtaugh edge from uh, the Lethal Weapon movies, where he just he was too old for this s. Like he like literally, you see like towards the end when he's just beat to hell and gets up and he's just kind of trudging along. He's like, God, I hate this job, but he's got to do it. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. He lumbers like a dude that has to go to work to pay. For a bill for his like eighteen children. Pretty much, which which gives a little more credence to the scene when he first shows up, uh, when he faces down the wing mudo, and you just see how angry he is. It's like literally, it's like I was having a nice vacation, and you called me away from it. So now I gotta curb stomp the crap out of you. <laughs> you know, he acts like he's like a unwittingly known hero. Like he doesn't even know he is a hero. Mm-hmm. He's just pretty much doing what he needs to do and then goes back. Yeah. But he, like, doesn't know that, like, a butterfly effect or something, that he saved everyone's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the other thing, too, is just the fact that, that the monsters are so just... Un- they they don't even bat an eye to any of the humans. Like, they're just... they're they're We are literally ants, and they're just going along, doing their thing. They don't even care. Like, like we're opening fire on them? Eh. Whatever, we're just walking away. We're literally like the we are the literal uh, ant, uh, gnats of their existence. Especially like the scene when Godzilla shows up in in uh, uh, San Francisco the first time. He raises out of the water. They open fire on him, and he's just he grabs the bridge like trying to get support. He's just like uh like he literally is crawling out of bed. His knees are aching. He's just like, uh. and then he's got bomb blast coming on. He's like ah oh, screw this. I gotta go to work, and he's just trudging through into the city. It doesn't even pay any mind to him at all. And the fact, I like the fact that the military finally learns, like, uh, okay, just stop and let him go do his thing. Which was, which is nice, because every other Godzilla movie is just like, just keep bombing him. It's not working. I don't care. Just keep bombing him. So <laughs> there was stuff like that. There was the moments when, like, especially during the fight scene with the Muto, when, um, especially, like, when the flying Muto's, like, hooking him in the mouth, and you can just see him, like, rolling his eyes. He's like... Oh, like you could just literally hear him say, "Oh God damn it, come on!" Like he's there's looks of annoyance, there's look of anger. Like he he goes through the emotional spectrum. He literally does feel like an an actual actor in the film, which is one thing I really wanted out of this out of this movie when they announced it was like, it don't do 
what the Amrick film did and just make him literally like just a mindless animal running around. Like he has to have character traits. He has to have almost like human character traits. That's what really makes him stand out from other like giant movie monsters. Like King Kong is the only other one that I think that is during that era that really that, that got it right. I think that's the guys at Toho watch Kong, especially Super Eye. He's like, look, th- there's character to him. There's there's all these traits and stuff. Let's put that into our monster. And that's what I think makes Godzilla so endearing today. Like. There's as much as people were complaining about how unrelatable the Aaron Taylor Johnson's character was because he's just kind of like a blank check of a character. Uh, Godzilla has like traits like oh I, well he's mad he's he's sad he's all this like you can kind of relate to him and that's what makes that's part of what makes him great. Then the fact that he's a big monster that breathes fire. Um, that that was one of the other scenes that really stood out. The, the when um, when he's fighting the Muto and then. Both Mutos are just like ragging on him, and he gets the upper hand. And you see Aaron Taylor Johnson. I think it was uh, I don't remember if it was before or after they blow up the uh, the nest. <clears throat> I think it might have been after when the big Muto shows up and it's just you know getting ready to uh, to like smash Aaron Taylor Johnson. And then you see Godzilla kind of come out of nowhere, smacks the big Muto, and then you see the tail just kind of come out of the darkness, and you see those blue lights light up. That to me, it was just like, oh, man, the, the sound it makes, that foo, 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 as each spike just lights up, and then the fire just shoots out as a glory, and it looks like real fire, too. That's what I loved. It wasn't just a beam. It was it was actual, like, an atomic breath. There was, like, you could see the, the him, like, the fact that he puffed up, like, he took a huge breath, and, like, you could see him just, like, he, like, he was like a dude sucking in his gut, like a hot chick comes around, and he just <laughs> sucks it all in, and he just, he's got that big barrel chest, and then he just leans forward and sp- shoots that fire at the Muto, which some people were like, well, it didn't do that much effect. I'm like, it had an effect. But if you really look at, every time Godzilla uses his his, his fire breath, the first few times, it doesn't do much. It's a matter of, you have to wear down the opponent for it to really work. That's how it works. It blows stuff up because things are combustible, but when you're, it's you go with the Street Fighter rules. You can't beat a character, in, unless you cheat, uh, in like two punches. It doesn't work that way. You can do it in real life. You can knock someone, you can hit someone in the jaw and knock him out. But I always assume that Godzilla characters follow video game fighting rule, fighting rules, where you have to wear down an opponent before you you, you apply the finishing move to, to, to take him out. That's kind of how it works. And that's how the Atomic Breath works. Yes, it's his big, you know, his it's his trump card. But unless you wear him down enough, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't finish the job in one blast. But it was just such a great scene, especially when he's just unloading on And the fact that there's no explanation. It's like, yeah, he breathes fire. And everyone was just like, what what the hell is he doing? It's like, apparently he breathes fire. All right, let's just move on. I thought that was fantastic. Uh, I did like the fact that the Mutos had a lot of personality to themselves. Uh, the, the male, especially, just kind of just being uh, an overall, he seemed like an overall dick more than anything else. Like, just, I, I it's hard to explain, but he did come off as, as, as kind of like, a, as, as kind of a, as a little bit of a douchebag in monster terms. The female seemed pretty much just kind of there for the sake of being there for, you know, for something as big a go- uh, for Godzilla to fight. I did like the, the fact that they kind of followed the, um, the, the, the kind of spider, you know, kingdom rules where the female's always bigger than the male. And then the fact that, you know, they gave him different traits. Female can't fly. The male can fly. So it made for a very interesting fight between the two at the end. Um, 
uh, well, the, you know, the, the two-on-one fight where the male is, like, dragging Godzilla by the head and, you know, throwing him around while the female can, like, literally just lay, like, just pound on him and stuff like that. I thought that was great. Uh, the moments, like, the building of, uh, of, like, Godzilla showing up was great. There was a lot of, um, very Spielbergian moments in this. Just, like, a lot of characters, like, just the shots of, like, faces reacting to stuff. Um, the movie did feel like it took a lot of Jurassic Park moments. The thing that really stood out to me the most was when the Muto, the, the, the male Muto, uh, blew out of its co- uh, cocoon, and they're trying to shock it. And there's that quiet moment, and you see the claw come up and grab the uh, the cables, and it makes it makes the exact same sound that the T Rex claw makes when you see him uh, come into Jurassic Park the first time when the uh, power's off, and you hear the cable snap when he breaks out. That I swear to God, that's the exact same sound that the Muto makes when he breaks out of his little prison. Um, the, uh, the the teasing that's fine, like especially that first the first fight between Godzilla and the Muto when you just see it on TV. I'm like, oh, that's great. But the problem was, when they came down to the final fight, they did not... I wanted them to, to kind of just linger on the fights a little bit longer. I know everything was kind of done in a um, from, from a perspective, especially from the human perspective, which I thought was great. It gave the shots a lot more scale and just overall oomph to them. But the fact that, okay, so the character turned away, we're just going to keep following these dudes and, you know, see everything in the background. It's like, just kind of... This is what you've been building to... Let us have our cake. Like, you've been teasing us, like, we're baking it. We're, you know, the smell's coming. Like, oh, it smells great. Putting the icing on it. Putting the little candles. Okay, blow it out. You can have a little piece at the end. That's all you get. It's like, what about the rest of it? Uh, the rest of it's for later. It's like, you, you just worked me up for this delicious cake, and you're only going to let me have a small taste of it. Yeah. It's like, that's not fair, and that's not cool. That's the one thing I could really say about this movie that I did not, that, that just bugged me to, to no one was the fact that, they uh, they really came up short on that big final scene. And I know everyone complains about the the disaster porn that we get in films today, especially a lot from uh, Man of Steel. And I th- I do think that uh, Man of Steel might have affected uh, how the, uh, the the final shot, the final battle of Godzilla turned out. Because there were people who loved the ending of Man of Steel with the fight between Zod and Superman. But there's so many people who are just like, all they did was just bash each other and just buildings fell. It's like, what was I getting out of that? It's like, yell, you're getting two guys who are essentially gods beating the hell out of each other, and what do you think's going to happen? They're just going to tiptoe around the city? No, they're going to be doing stuff that you can't see in real life, and that's why they're putting it up there. And when there was such a backlash to that, I got a feeling that, because it was there, it's produced by Legendary, the people, especially like Thomas Tall at Legendary, were like, mm, let's scale back a little bit on the mass wanton destruction and just give it to the people in like little little doses and you know as as much as I'm complaining about it, there were a lot of people that really liked that the fact that it wasn't all like disaster porny at the end I would argue differently as many people would argue but that's just me Right. No, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. And there was even a comparison chart afterwards. Mm-hmm. Someone made these little memes that was like Godzilla and the two Mutoses. Mm-hmm. Their destruction or how much it would cost to rebuild the city is like way less than the estimated amount in Man of Steel. Yeah. 
And you figure, too, that Man of Steel is two tiny dudes doing that much damage, which was part of the reason why it was so... Well, not only that, but the, uh, the, um... The, uh... What is it? The machine. The gravity machine they were using. That was also a reason for causing half the damage. I think a lot of people forget that, too. But, uh... No, I mean, with... With with Godzilla, I mean, the fights were great. There was... I, and I... Again, I do love that they shot a lot of the, the fights from perspectives that you normally would only get if people, like, someone with a camera would be up there shooting it. Um, it's far different from what we get from all the other films, and I I know a lot of people are complaining. It's like, well, you know, normally with the films, you just focus on the monsters. I'm like, yeah, but we have, what, 28 films now that do that exact same thing? Let them try something different. It's okay. We have other movies that give us those shots. I know the fact that this is the the second big-budget attempt, so you want to see what Toho shoots, but done on a massive budget, that's not what they were aiming for with this film. And I accepted that long ago. This was going to be something different, but it was still going to try to be a Godzilla film. That was fine. Um, I do think that it was a mistake killing off Brian Cranston's character so early. I know it's, it was pretty much just trying to be a ballsy move, but I think that if they let him hang on and followed Aaron Taylor Johnson a little bit, the fact that you know, they could have at least given him a little more, um, at least his character. They're going to kill him off, kill him off a little later in the film, so that way he has some, some sort of like, you know, personal redemption. Of the fact that he was right the whole time, like he knew there was something wrong with, with, with you know, it wasn't a natural disaster that that killed his wife that that caused the power plant to to collapse. It was something much grander that you know people were keeping quiet. You know, and at least let him witness the scale of of you know the fact that. You know, even though his wife died and he survived that, that there was something far bigger coming out of that. Um, as for Aaron Taylor Johnson's character, I thought he was fine. I, a lot of people I saw complaining the fact that, like, a he's just conveniently where every where everything happens to be. I'm like, well, no, he's a military dude. He happens. His dad isn't is trying to figure out what caused the power plant wreckage. You know, so you know when his dad gets arrested, that's what brings him into it. They're there. At the power plant where his dad was trying to break into, they get pulled into it. That brings him and he, uh, him and his dad, who had his dad, who had all that collective data, following the military as they're following the monsters. So it's only going to make sense that he's going to be there for most of the stuff. It makes sense the fact that he's the bomb make, he's the bomb uh, diffuser. So he's following along with this bomb. Uh, some of the points that people are making, it's like, well, if you're, why would they transport by trains? Like they pointed out the mutos put out a massive EMP that goes way up in the air, and they show you what happens when planes are flying in the area. There was that shot from the trailer that's in the film of the uh, all those cars going around that plane crash. So yeah, they're, they're obviously, <laughs> obviously going to take it on a, a steam engine. I mean, it's, they make the whole point. You can't use modern electronics on this thing. Um, so yeah, I bought into that fine. I thought his character was fine. His whole arc, his whole point was, as you said, was to be the eyes and ears for the audience. He was just, he's literally the avatar that we're playing in this game that we see all this stuff go on. And that's really... And his main purpose was just to get back home to his family. I don't need him to have any quirky traits. I don't need him to really be doing anything more than what he was doing in the film. He was perfectly serviceable, and he was perfectly fine. He, I like the fact that he didn't have to be directly involved with having to beat the monsters uh, and having to, you know, be the guy that comes up with any of the stuff to beat the monsters. He was just like... Uh, you got a bomb. I know how to defuse it. It got stolen by these creatures. I can go help you. And that's pretty much it. And he just it puts him in, in the spot where we can get those awesome shots of Godzilla and the Mutos fighting. Fine with me. Right. Right. 
Uh, as for right. as as for um, uh, Ken Watanabe's character, he's obviously going to be a character that's going to be coming back. So he's he's our um, he's our exposition guy, explaining where these things come from, what they do, and you know that's cool. That's all he really needs to be. And you know the fact that they they some people were saying like, man, they really wasted the the uh, the star power on some of this cast. I mean, like these are great actors. You know, I would argue it's like. Uh, they they gave them this because they these are actors that at least would make the most out of what they were given. Some would argue that they didn't. Uh, like wanna like Ken Watanabe, he was just kind of like he was he was slack jawed most of the time. Just kind of like like either he had like he looked like he he just woke up and was just like groggy <laughs> half the time, or he was just completely blown away by everything he was seeing. That- yes, yes, a friend pointed out. As if he was just shocked at every moment. Well, it's been all this stuff that he knows is out there. He's never seen firsthand himself. And the fact that, like, oh, wow. It's like, literally, it's like you grew up loving unicorns, and you have unicorn toys and unicorn posters. And then one day, there's a unicorn <laughs> outside your door making coffee. And it's like, you're you're going to just have, like, oh, wow, that's cool. There's a unicorn. It's like, no, you're going to be blown away a bit. So you got to take it in. And that's what he was taking in. And the fact it's like... Wow, I was right the whole time. There's all this crazy, cool crap out there. Wow. Did you like the part when he had to bring out his father or grandfather's watch to remind them it was uh, what happened in like 1944-45? Yeah, I get that. It's much like the uh, it 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 got a little um, heavy-handed. I know that was them trying to put their their the uh, the, the horrors of atomic bombs, you know, the, that message into it. Um, I did see it from the military's point of view, and I did see it from his point of view. Is he was they, they both made solid arguments. The fact was when the guy when the the, the lieutenant mentions like, uh, yeah, you know, we we tried to blast him, but that was with weapons back then. Like these weapons, like our we're talking from kilotons to megatons. It's like the one that we blast him with in 1954 looks like a firecracker compared to this thing. They're like, yeah, they're attracted to the radiation, but the blast will probably kill him. Uh, it, yeah, makes sense. Makes sense, but at the same time, he's also pointing out it's like they eat the damn radiation. So, how are you going to blow it off before they, you know, are you going to be able to blow it off before they even, you know, break the thing and, and suck it dry? So, and if not the blast, you know, the, if they're not near the blast or they're they're they can survive the blast, all they're going to do is just suck up all the radiation around it. So they both made yeah. strong, solid points. A lot of people were just kind of overlooking. It's like, eh. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, it, I didn't have an issue with that. I really didn't have many issues. The only, the main issue I had, besides the the fight scenes, was the fact that they decided not to detonate the. They decided to detonate the bomb instead of fixing it, even though they had a couple of minutes. That seemed a little. And the fact, much like the bomb in Batman and Dark Knight Rises, that it's like, yeah, it only went off a couple of miles out at sea. Uh, I was gonna say you. Ford would have not made it on that helicopter. No. Everybody would have been gone. That mushroom cloud would have been massive. Ginormous. And the EMP would have knocked out the the helicopter too. Right, right. I mean that's the again, they, they cheated on that one. I would argue though that the fact that people would say that, you know, well the the fallout alone would have killed all those people. They could probably explain it in the second film that Godzilla literally sucked up all the fallout. That's how he got back up and just walked away. That's at least, that's what I'm reasoning off of it. Right, right. And actually to point out something else that, you know, that they did really well, you were talking about they ate the radiation. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, everyone's mm-hmm. reasoning is, why don't you just blow up the mutos, you know? And the commanding officer was like, well, 
we don't know what it will do mm -hmm. because that's what they feed off, which is radiation. Mm -hmm. So we don't know how far the blast will be. We don't know how many people will be hurt. You know, I like the fact that there's a thinking element mm -hmm. to the mil you know, to the military, and they weren't just turned like, yep, we tried to blow it up and it didn't work. I was like, why, why, why would you do that? Because mm. other films would have just done it Michael Bay style just to do it. So, but they didn't. They chose not to do it. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was really good. But no, I was thinking the same thing at the end where, you know, Ford's being picked up by the helicopter and he sees from his blurry point of view, you know, the bomb goes off and all I can think is, there's a Batman, the dark, I mean, sorry, the Dark Knight Rises moment here. Yeah. I because I, that, that's kind of a small cloud. Yeah. I would be... Small mushroom cloud. <laughs> it would. It was the fact that they really put out the fact that it's like, this bomb's pretty big. <clears throat> it's it's going to be killing three monsters, so... And it really wasn't that far out. It was probably about, like, what, I would say, what, three miles out? Four miles out at the most? <laughs> and they were trying to drag it 20 miles out? So, yeah, they they got away with a cheat on that one, too. There was a couple of them, uh, but it wasn't enough to really kind of take me out of the film. It, it wasn't the level of Dark Knight Rises where there's like, um, okay, look, I know he's Batman, but how in the hell did he get halfway around the world without anybody knowing? It wasn't as bad as right, that. Right, right. No, I get what you mean. Yeah. I, I thought it was... It, the story was fairly solid. Um, the fact that, yeah, Godzilla turned out to be much more of a hero, and he acted a lot like the the, the best elements of the 70s films combined with a lot of like the elements of like the late 90s films. Uh, I, I liked that call in the end. Um, the design worked very well for me in the end. Uh, just in like the little mannerisms, everything. Especially that second time around with it, hearing the, the sound that uh, Atmos gave that there's amazing sound in this film like the sound design is is off the wall I love the 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 mutos have a very distinct uh, call that's that's one thing that really bugged me about um, especially like Cloverfield and uh, the in Pacific Rim it's like the thing the, the beauty about Toho films like each of the monsters have like a distinct call even though a couple of them are just kind of recycled from other monster calls uh, at least they all sound different, and there's like you can hear them, and you can automatically say, "Oh, well, that's this monster," or like Anguilus, like at the beginning of the show, you know that's Anguilus. Godzilla has a distinctive. Rodan has a distinctive. Ghidorah does. They gave Godzilla and the Mutos very distinctive, you know, uh, roars too. The the Mutos had that that almost raptor-like clicking sound that they make, which I thought was very cool. And uh, Godzilla's roar was a was a a, a much better update than what the, I think the 98's uh, roar was. I mean, they s still retain the, the the classic kind of um, baritone to it, but with just enough of like a like real animal in there. So, yeah, if it, it, it overall, um, I would give it a uh, as you would, I would give it a solid B and maybe B plus, maybe not, but a B definitely. Um, in the annuals, I think I, I want to need a couple more watches to where I would rate this in the annuals of Godzilla films. Is it going to be one of the best? Probably not, but it's going to. It'll probably be up there with with very, with 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 some of the better, more rewatchable films. Definitely, right, definitely right. a step above a lot of the '90s films, and uh, and um, it's a step above many of the uh, Millennium films. No, I can see that. Yeah, I could see that. I was going to ask you, sir, your uh, elementary school, middle school grading. Mm -hmm. What would you give it? Uh, a solid B. A solid B, definitely. A, a, a B, a, much like you. Maybe not a B plus, but definitely a B. 
I thought you were going to go with like an A minus or something. No, there's still a lot of of the film that just feels um again, the the whole aspect as I put like how much it, it go like okay, let me say it like this. As I said on Twitter the night after, uh the 98 film rips off got uh the 98 film rips off Jurassic Park while this film pays perfect homage to Jurassic Park. Um the fact that uh, they tr- they still tried to to follow that kind of uh, to, it truly wasn't its own thing in many ways. They were still aping a couple of things. They were aping really good things, but they're still aping uh, aping certain aspects. You know, they it it kind of took a little bit out of it for me. Um, if you look at like the Millennium films, they are like these wild, wacky ideas that they just run with. But I, perhaps that's the reason why we don't have films from Japan anymore. Because as much as people, you know, as, as much as like, well, we're trying something new, people weren't buying into it. And obviously, the general public from a ninety-three million dollar uh, <laughs> weekend, which was far, uh, far above what they were expecting, likes the fact that it has an air of familiarity to it. And I guess you know. That's what sells. That's what's going to sell. So, you know, if the general public likes it and it's going to grant us more, all for it. Um, as a hardcore fan, I liked it a lot. It has its issues, but it's not, it is nowhere near a bad movie in any way. But a great film, maybe not. But it is a very solid film. So I'll leave it, I'll, I'll leave it at it's a, it's a solid film. Definitely something I will buy and definitely something I'm going to watch again. I think I would definitely get it and then watch the fight scene. <laughs> or if someone could gladly do it for me <laughs> on YouTube, just kind of do a cut, I, like a montage. Yeah. I, ironically, I was watching that for um, before we started for uh, uh, Reign of Fire. Someone had just cut all the dragon scenes together. <laughs> it, it literally was like 13 minutes of the whole film. Which you know, oh, which people, were, which one people were complaining about. Like, yeah, there's not a lot of Godzilla in, the, in this movie. It's like, well, whenever you look at like monster movies like that, the monster's never in the film a whole lot. And usually, if he is, people complain. It's like, oh, they showed too much of the monster. It kind of took it out for me. So, I'll say that yeah, there wasn't a lot of Godzilla. But then again, in some of the later films, there's not. If you watch Godzilla vs Megalon, he doesn't show up until the very end of the film, and that's all he does. He just shows up to fight. He has no bearing on the the full outcome of the story. He's just there to fight. That's it. Um, but much like uh, Godzilla vs. Gigan, he pretty much spends 90% of the film swimming across the ocean, and then the lat- third, the entire third act, he's just fighting. That's all it is. So uh, it's, it's not like this kind of thing was not done before, and not done by the very people that created Godzilla. So, I mean, yeah, you can complain, and I know why people complain is the fact that it's like, this was supposed to be the... the the true redemption for Godzilla from, especially what the Sony movie did. And they, for the most part, stuck the landing. They might have tripped up a bit on certain aspects, but I think they, they still did a pretty good job, though. And considering that this was a $160 million film, which sounds like a lot, and it is, it is not a lot compared to, like, a lot of other films that are out there. Like, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 costs, I believe, $220 million, and it does not look like a $220 million film. Godzilla, on the other hand, looks like a far more expensive film, than it really is, so they had to make do with what with with the budget that they had. So that meant not having a ton of monster scenes, and there was a lot of other effects stuff, like especially like the whole um, <coughs> the whole part where they're in Japan and they're in the uh, the quarantine zone. I mean, you look at that; that was a beautiful shot, and that's all CG. So, so anyway, good solid film. Um, 
I did ask a couple of people what they thought. Uh, pull up the the, the pull up the reviews here real quick. So, uh, what did your friends think altogether, Jessica? You know, a lot of my friends were not Godzilla fans. They they only really had two things to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, they wanted more Godzilla kaiju fighting. Mm-hmm. And two, they were pleasantly surprised because not all of them knew about his atomic breath and that none of them was bothered by the glow. Mm-hmm. They didn't think it was cheesy. They didn't think it was hokey or anything. They were like, you know, it was great. It's not like he, like, neon flashed green, yellow, like a disco ball. So yeah. they, that was actually most of their their two things. They were like, you know, I wish there was more kaiju fighting mm-hmm. and I wish there was more Godzilla, obviously less human interest. And I really, really liked the part where he opened up the mouth of the Mutos. Didn't see that coming. Thought he was just going to, uh, you know, pry it open like a pistachio. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, instead he blew atomic breath into it. That was a cool shot. So it was, really, they really liked that. It was something we've never really been given in, in any of the other films, too. We kind of got it with Godzilla 2000, but the fact that it really was kind of a cheat because, like, Orga was swallowing Godzilla like a, like a python. You didn't really get that kind of effect that they did in this film. Um, uh, going through the, the couple of comments we got on the, the Facebook page, uh, Gary Johnson wrote, My son Kyle and I loved it, enjoyed the human storyline, and the special effects were excellent. We both were happy that Godzilla was a hero, just like some classic Showa-era films. We'll appeal to the mainstream, to the box office number to support this. We have seen it twice, and we'll go again next weekend. We were dumbfounded by the reaction of another uh, Godzilla-related podcast, though. So, again, some hardcore fans weren't, weren't caring for it. And then uh, Heath Anderson said, A slow burn that loves to tease, but well worth the wait. I loved it. So those are the reactions on our Facebook page. Um, I know my dad loved it, and he's just a giant monster guy. He doesn't care much for the, ironically, the films that he turned me on to. He's just like, ah, they're all cheesy, but... He does love a good monster movie, and we got. I'm like, so what do you think? He's like, oh, oh God, son, that was great. It's like, just, that's how, that's how they should have been doing it from like the get go. I'm like, well, when you have you know 160 million dollars and you know the right person doing it, you, you obviously can you know get something good out of it. So, if he liked it, then you know it really showed me that yeah, the general public was really gonna like it. So, uh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. So, in other news, though. We know that a hundred that uh, ninety-three million, so it made a hundred million in four days, which was really damn good. Um, X Men is out this weekend, so it's taking a bite out of that, which I think everyone expected it to. Um, when you have so many big movies together, they do cannibalize each other. It, so far, it's looking to have a sixty percent drop, which yeah, sounds bad, but when most of your screens are being taken up by another heavy film, and it is a uh, holiday weekend. That's um, understandable. You can't have, you know, a constant. You know, the movie's not going to make like 80 million the next weekend. It's there's going everyone's going to go see it the first weekend, and thus there's going to be a drop. But it's still making a, a decent amount of money. It's not like how much Spider-Man dropped in its second week, which it got beat out by a Seth Rogen film, which was saying something. Yes, neighbors. Yeah. So yeah, Spider-Man's been been eating it real bad. Uh, Godzilla, on the other hand, though, looks like it'll have steady legs for a while. Um, but, uh, I do, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, so 93 million, the movie did fantastic, far better than anyone expected, and thus, because of that, Walt Disney Pictures felt that, uh, 
Gareth Edwards was the perfect guy to uh, hire for the first Star Wars spin-off film. So, did you hear about that, uh, Jessica? I did, I did, because the moment that happened, I went on my news feed and there was nothing but Gareth Edwards' name mm-hmm. uh, written with Star Wars font in the beginning of the scroll-like text patch. Mm-hmm. So people were very, very excited. Yeah. So the news broke Thursday. Uh, Disney has hired Gareth Edwards to direct the first spinoff film. Uh, there was a lot of jokes like, oh, is he going to make the Rancor movie? And I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. But uh, the, the what he's doing yet has not been announced. It does come out in 2016. So he's that's the, literally the next thing he's jumping on. He's probably going to jump on it very soon. Uh, which is, you know, Disney's trying to get their, what was it, $4 billion out of out of this franchise that they invested into it, so good on them. And the fact that, you know, he is visually a captivating director. Um, I know some people have problems with uh, monsters with the human cast. It's just, the, the story's very basic. Um, <coughs> I think he'll do fine with it. He does, he directs, especially when the actors really have a grip on what they're doing, especially like... Um, Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston just kind of owned everything that he was, you know, every moment he was in. So, you know, getting the right, it's a matter of getting, you know, just all the ingredients together. I think he'll do a, a fine Star Wars film. I know that he loves, much like many filmmakers, loves Star Wars. So, um, if it's rumored, he'll probably be doing the Red 5 movie, which is an X-Wing film, which will be very interesting. And then, yeah. literally like an hour after uh, this announcement was made, uh, Thomas Tull tweeted that, uh, yeah, hey, congrats, Gareth, big big news. Hey, we just want to let everyone know that as soon as he's done with that, he's coming back for Godzilla 2 and 3. So, we got not only a second one coming, which we knew literally the weekend after the, the film you know, hit, there's going to be a third one. So, they're doing a trilogy. So, they're literally doing their own Dark Knight trilogy with Godzilla. <clears throat> Depending on how those go, they'll probably do more. Um, the fact that Gareth's coming back to have to do those two, <coughs> I'm kind of mixed on it. I'm the type of person that doesn't feel that you need the same director for every... If you're doing a whole trilogy, you don't need one. Uh, you don't need the same guy to come back. I know for continuity's sake, to keep in the story there. But you can... This Godzilla is something that is open. There's, there's not going to be... There's uh, clearly that's not going to be a continuing story from the first one. Like the only characters you could re- realistically bring back are uh, Ken Watanabe and uh, oh the his assistant whose name is escaping me at the moment. Um, obviously they're gonna they they'll come back, but you can't. The Ford family's done. There's no reason to bring them back. So you can leave it open for another director to come in and give you know their take on on you know on Godzilla. You know the the palette's already there, so they can work with what Gareth Edwards had made and add their own, you know, flavor to it. So, the Legendary feels like, no, let's keep Gareth on him and keep making him. That's where they're going to go, that's where they go. That's fine. I'm not going to have... I, I, He's going to make, you know, great movies. Um, I get a feel... They, they already said that they want to do, like, a more monstery part two. So they kind of want to go Dark Knight with it, just, like, bigger, you know, bigger and badder. But, you know, eventually I would like to see, you know, other directors get a crack at it. I'm hoping that, you know... <coughs> excuse me. Ooh. Throat's really dry. <coughs> that uh, the third one, you know, the interest is still up there. That they just they keep making these, and they let other people come in and have a chance at at. at <coughs> we won't know that for see, 17, 18. We're looking at t- probably twenty eighteen for part two, at the earliest. 
so. Yeah, it might be a little while since he's got Star Wars. And also, you know, I would be interested in seeing, like you said, other directors' take on it. I can only imagine what a, you know, Del Toro take on Godzilla mm-hmm. would be. Definitely not a Tim Burton or Tarantino. <laughs> Um, Taren- however, if- you know, there's also other great directors out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I swear, somebody's going to comment and say we didn't. Uh, however, there are other directors like Gareth Edwards was, for many people, kind of not a well-known, yeah. little known until now, you know, and that Halo Jump was one of the most gorgeous scenes. Mm-hmm. So it was like a concept art or a painting come to life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, there's, there's ones. You know, of course, someone's going to be like, you know, what would J.J. Abrams' version of I don't, Godzilla be? I'm going to leave it. Other than with lens flares. I'm going to put it out there right now. Uh, I don't however, care what a J.J. Abrams' version is going to look like. I have no care whatsoever if he does it. Oh, some people really like him. I know though, some people really know? like him. You know what? I, I, I liked Star Trek Into Darkness a lot, so I'm hoping that, you know, Star Wars is pretty good. But until then, I'm going to I'm gonna take a wait-and-see approach to that. Like, he's... Very hit and miss for me now, and at the point where I really kind of don't care what he does anymore. Um, you know, I I would see I could actually see the Russo brothers doing one because oh, be I kind of saw what they did with Winter Soldier, yeah. and also if I can pronounce, is it the Wachowski brothers oh, I would or love Wachowski the siblings? Jupiter, look, Jupiter uh, Ascending looks fantastic. I'm I'm like one of like five people who are looking forward to that film. Yeah, but no, it would be really, really interesting. I would be interested to see what Favreau's take on it. Would be. I think Favreau would do a very good movie. The thing is, Favreau's not big on big on action. If you watch the Iron Man movies, like the action's there, but it's not like grand scale stuff. Especially like fights. Like he clearly does not like doing fights. The fight between Ironmonger and Iron Man at the end is very short and to the point. Uh, the fight between uh, War Machine and Iron Man against uh, Whiplash is non-existent at all in the film. It's literally like a minute and a half of the film. So he probably do a very good character piece movie um, with, with like a with spectacle to it. Uh, I would love to see the guy that made um, Troll Hunter. Let him take a crack at it. Uh, I know he's got a couple of things coming up, but I would love to see see Legendary give him a shot. Uh, God, who else is out there? Um... And I'm trying to think who would do spectacle. You know, I think Alan Taylor, the guy that did the last Thor film, I think he'd make a pretty good one. I like Thor too, uh, Thor Dark World a lot. So, but yeah, you know, there, there, there's, there's a lot of guys out there. I think that that would love to take a crack at Godzilla. And you know, I'm hoping Legendary opens it up and lets other people, you know, play, play in that Sandlot. So, there was a director. He just came to me, and for some reason, he, oh my goodness. He would he would have been a really interesting one. I oh my goodness. We were talking about the Russo brothers mm-hmm. and we were talking about the various people like the guy that did Troll Hunter and I thought of a great director that kind of when when no one's gonna bother me. So when that name finally comes mm-hmm. and I suddenly just yell out a person's name like I have Tourette mm-hmm. then you guys will know that Jessica had mentioned it ten minutes ago. <laughs> so do not do not jump in your car seat or however wherever you guys are listening to in this podcast. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I, oh, I thought somebody that would have been really great. <laughs> it will come to me. Yeah. That person's name will come to me. I know it's a guy. Mm-hmm. So it's that person's 
On a side note, do, would, would you buy into the theory that Godzilla is very Jason Voorheesy in this film? Like, just, he <laughs> cannot abide by monsters getting it on. Like, that that's the whole driving point of Jason. Like, people are, are getting busy, and he's just like, no, no, I gotta put a stop to this. That, that's what it felt like in many ways, like he was doing. Like, it was just, <laughs> there's a little cartoon that Matt Frank had tweeted, uh, that it's like Godzilla, like, staring, he's like, he's like, thinking, it's just like, it sounds like two monsters are getting on, it's like, I gotta stop them. <laughs> like, he's very prudish. Like, he's he's very, he's uber-conservative, and he can't abide by free love that the mutos, that the hippie mutos offer. Oh my goodness, that's hilarious. So, yeah. it, it, I, that's, no. that's one of the things I was really thinking about. Once. It's like, it, they do mention that, yeah, the mutos are parasitic, that they, they are kind of an invasive species, and, you know, they're a little out of hand, that's why Godzilla's there. But the movie makes him so sympathetic that it's just like just just let them have their li- little muto family. You know the 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 uh, the male can go out and get his get a job and sp- support his little muto babies. Godzilla though was like no 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 this is I will not abide by this. Oh my he goodness. can't handle it. He's he represents what's the worst of like 1960s like conservatism. There's going to be out there where there's going to be some activist blog that will say that this movie is like anti-Christian or really Christian or somehow anti-feminist or does something. I look forward to those because they're always very interesting because I'm always like there's always there's so many billions of people in this world and we all kind of think differently. I mean, some we think the same, mm-hmm. some are different, but I'm just fascinated by the different types of thoughts and ideas and concepts that people have out there. Yeah, there's a lot of people that read a lot into movies that sometimes it's like, where are you getting this from? Yeah. Yes. Yes, no, I know exactly what you mean. So, but uh, the other thing is, too, that I think one of the greatest things this movie will give us in the long run is going to be all the horrible incest memes for uh, Avengers 2. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting for That's that day to come. Thinking. I'm just, there's, because Elizabeth Olsen's playing Scarlet Witch and Aaron Taylor Johnson's Quicksilver, which, especially now if you watch um, Esmond Day's Future Past, it's going to be very interesting to compare the two Quicksilvers. Because uh, everyone's yeah. thinking, like, oh, man, this Quicksilver's going to be real. Because he's, he's the other dude from uh, Kick-Ass. So, literally, it's like... Yes, they're both from Kick-Ass. Yeah. Yep. So, it's going to be, like, the, the two Kick-Ass versions of Quicksilver. And who's going to do one better? Is it going to be Singer or is it going to be uh, Whedon? Because Singer's got his out first. And when you watch X-Men Days Future Past, his Quicksilver, like, even though he kind of dresses like a douchebag, his scene is one of the best in the movies. It's awesome. So, and it looks like that they're take they're they're doing a different character take in Avengers. Like um, the X Men Days Future Past is far more kind of happy go lucky. The other one looks a little more uh, like he's got some uh, he's got a little bit of weight on his shoulders. But you just know people are gonna be taking that DVD capture next year of all the scenes of those two together and just gonna be putting. It's like remember that time when Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver made out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a part of me, when they were on the couch, I was like, Wanda, no! Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it happened. It's like that. I, I, I see that with a lot of Euro Trip um, stuff put together. It's like, hey, can I see your Fromers? Yeah. Oh, hey, here's something interesting. You made out with your sister. 
I actually really like Euro Trip. It's one of my guilty pleasures. It's a movies. fantastic film. I I vehemently defend that film against anybody that calls it junk. <laughs> oh, Scotty doesn't know. No, he doesn't. So. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> And other news bits, because uh, we are we're, we're already running a little bit long. Um, other news bits: uh, IDW has announced a new Godzilla miniseries for this summer. Uh, I believe Kingdom of Monsters, or not Kingdom of Monsters, I, that's the original one. Um, Rulers of Earth is going to continue on for at least a few more issues. They said it is going past issue twelve, so that's that's kind of cool. But a uh, the first uh, side story since I believe. Uh, Half Century War, the miniseries that they for a while they were running a congruent series and a miniseries next to it, which was always cool because you, much like I as I was, you know, we were just talking a couple minutes ago, let other people have a chance. They were IDW's like giving other people chances to tell Godzilla stories, and this looks like one of them. It's uh, Godzilla Cataclysm, and I believe it's a five issue miniseries, and it literally, yes, yeah, one of five, and it's uh, looking into the world post. You know, kaiju. So, very. It, it looks like they're they're kind of taking the enormous uh, uh, story element and just transferring it to Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, you know, a lot of people who were like, "Oh, this wasn't really the Godzilla movie that I wanted," mm-hmm. but they don't have access to the other twenty-eight films. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's what the comics are for. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what satisfies people and ties people over to things. Yeah. Doctor Who was not around for a long time. Mm-hmm. You got your books, you got your games, you got your role playing. I, I mean, you know, card games. I don't. I don't know. You got all kinds of things. There are, you know, things to kind of tie you over mm-hmm. until something else. You know, can't wait for the Man of Steel two. Well, actually, now I, it's a very long name. Um, uh, <laughs> a very long and terrible. It's a very long and terrible name. Uh, you know, can't wait. Read the comics. Exactly. You need more Batman, Superman. Go read the comics. Uh, so, you know, I have friends who are like, oh, but, you know, I don't really have access to the 28 films. I kind of want more. And I was like, no problem. Go to your little co- go to your local comic book store, look for IDW, mm-hmm. and get something to read it. Do do that because <laughs> those books are very dependent on people buying the trades and buying the issues uh, from uh, what I learned talking to a few people. Like, yeah, they're they're doing okay. They could be doing a lot better, though. Mm. So go out there and buy them. Go out there and buy them. They're especially if you really want to get into something. The two trades for uh, Rulers of Earth are out right now, and that's one of the best series that they're doing right currently. You got um, uh, Chris Mowry writing, and you got Matt Frank doing the art. It's fantastic. It has a ton of monsters in it. It's got an alien plot in it. It's it's really cool. So go give that a chance. Go pick up Half Century War. That's a fantastic. Uh, story. Gangsters and Goliaths is really good. So it if you go out and buy and support it, it keeps it going. So and believe me, these are the best representation of Godzilla's in comics ever. IDW's doing a really good job at them. Far and mostly because it's they got the licensing from Toho for other monsters. So if you show them support, man, it's it you know keeps Godzilla and it keeps Godzilla alive in America in a far more mainstream way than just idle repeats on cable. Right, right. No, I got what you mean. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, uh, go check that out. Um, also, 
if you are going to be in San Diego for Comic-Con this summer, I know Jessica and I will be, you might want to head to the Nika booth because they got something really cool that they're selling there exclusively at Comic-Con. Uh, they're Pacific Rim figures. If you have not picked them up yet or you're having trouble picking them up like many were, uh, they're offering what they are calling the end credits box set. So the uh, the, the cool CG end credits that uh, play uh, at the end of Pacific Rim with the uh, uh, black kind of... Um, uh, monochrome-looking uh, paint jobs. They are offering those as a three-pack set. You can get Crimson Typhoon, Striker Eureka, and Gypsy Danger, all in like a very sleek and sexy uh, black paint job. And the uh, visors, or the eyes, if you will, are all they all have uh, glow-in-the-dark paint. So when you put them in your room, you turn on your light, you just see them light up like mystic, like mystics in the night. Um, it's going to be $60 for the three-pack, so it comes out about like 20 bucks a figure, which isn't too bad, and it comes in a really cool box with the uh, Pan Pacific logo on it. Uh, I put those in the... I'll put those in the show notes to have everyone check out. Um, next episode, though, I'm going to say this for this. I picked up Nika's Godzilla, um, the, the, the legendary figure that came out. It is a, an amazing piece of toy. So I'm going to save that for, for next episode. But in the meantime, though, um, yeah, just go out and get it for yourself. We'll talk about it for the next episode. Uh, and I think that's about it. Jessica, do you have anything else you would like to say? I was going to say, are you going to risk it to get the biscuit um, <laughs> and try to get the exclusive at the show at San Diego Comic-Con? Are you going to say... My time is precious, and I much rather spend that extra thirty dollars and get it on eBay later. No, I'm going to risk it because at least Nika's booth is far more manageable than say Hasbro or uh, or Mattel's. Those those are like you got to bribe people to get into those booths. Like you got to like slip like a hundred underneath someone's you know uh, uh, little clipboard or you know. Maybe do a little bartering. Nika's is like you just get there early enough and you line up. Uh, they're fairly fast and they 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 run a very tight ship. Uh, for the most part, if you get within the first two days, you get there with the first two days. They 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 lot everything out over uh, for five days, so they sell only so many per day, which is really good because that way they don't blow their load the first day. And it's like oh sorry, nothing for the rest of the rest of the show. If you get there early enough, you can grab it. So I've gotten pretty much. Um, uh, my buddy usually buys the Nika um, uh, video game figures for the last couple of years, and they put out uh, Gears of War. So I've had really no issue getting them, other than it takes about 25 minutes out of my con-going experience. And usually those are taken up with the fact that I couldn't get into a certain panel anyway, so it's like, i got a half hour to blow right now until i got to go do something else, so might as well go try to get a figure. a little bit better price or you just happen to keep your eyes peeled for it when you're going to other 
other conventions. Yeah. Because every once in a while at somebody's booth, you'll see, you know, Tiny Titans in a bus or something, mm-hmm. or Teen Titans in a bus, which was a San Diego Comic Con exclusive. Mm-hmm. And it'll be, and they'll have a little, like, post-it note, usually by the retailer's booth, and it would say, like, San Diego Comic Con 2000-something exclusive. Yeah, it's like, I need to get rid of this now. Nobody's bought it, so I just want to get my money back on it. Yep, exactly. So, you know, and they charge a couple bucks more, and that's how I got mine. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you and I, for those who don't know, Chris and I do press, so we're always busy kind of running around, and sometimes we just don't have the time or the money to pay a child to wait in line (laughs) for us. Not that we're promoting, you know, child labor laws here, but there's no one that can stand in for us, or we just can't afford that time. Comic-Con. Because we have... you know, Com- Comic-Con's almost no man's land in its own way. Like, the rules don't... The rules of the outside don't apply on inside there. It's like prison in many ways. Like It, it is. Know, it runs by its own law. It is. It is. I've seen a 50-year-old man almost backhand an 8-year-old <laughs> just to get a toy. So, I mean, was it terrible? Was it horrible to watch? Yes. Does it sum up parts of a Comic-Con experience? Also, I, yes. I saw a man last year, literally last year, risk his infant son's life to get uh, <laughs> Dragon Ball Z scouters. <laughs> it was oh hilarious. God. It was quite hilarious. He was he had his son gaped in one hand and his arm on the wall where the, the fire marshals were yelling at him, you gotta be against the wall, and the guy's just looking at me like, please, man, let me scooch in here. I'm like, dude, I'm sucking it in as much as I can. You're gonna have to just... It's gonna have to get a little. It's gonna. We're gonna get a little tender for a minute. But if you want that, you're gonna have to just squeeze in here. And he's got his kid like popping out, and I just see the dude <laughs> back of this dude's head and his little kid's head. He's oblivious to what's going on, other than the fact it's like there's a lot of people here. What am I doing? There is. There are adults who use strollers as weapons. Yeah, uh, yeah, they do. And there are people. You know, they use that more than the people I saw. <laughs> I saw the same service dog a couple days in a row, mm-hmm. and that poor little animal's face had, had the look of, this is the worst opt- obstacle course I have ever gone through. There are too many people, and it's like, this is my job. I live to serve this human. It's like, one day my, pe- uh, one, that- one day my kind will rise up, and we will be walking you. Oh, yeah, yeah, or have, like, a Wii 3 moment mm-hmm. from Grant Morrison's mm-hmm. book. But, you know, for those who haven't read it, read it. It's great. Uh, however, yeah, I mean, that poor service animal dog, I mean, I'm sorry, that poor surface animal's, like, facial expression, mm-hmm. that poor little doggy. It was a black lab, and it looked like the saddest thing. I wanted to, in a way, cut its leash to let it free. <laughs> I wanted to just run by, unhook it, and be like, run, dog. Run like live, your life depends on it. Live. Homeward bound. Go home. Oh, that poor... I mean, and then I saw it sit mm-hmm. and get its tail stepped on and not do anything. Yeah, people are pretty oblivious at Comic-Con. Yeah. yeah. Just don't care. That's why it's. That's why I said it's like. Do not care. That's why I said it's like very, very, very martial law. Alrighty. Well, we we're at a hundred and four. We're at an hour and forty minutes already. So, um, we I figured we go a little late with this one. We have a lot. To, we had a lot to talk about. But that means now we've uh, we've we've come over the hump. So we're now entering new territory. So uh, the 
where we go from here on is going to be a strange and wonderful, wonderful ride. Uh, Jessica, tell the good people where they can find uh, more of uh, our work. Oh, more of our mm-hmm. work. All I had in my mind was a confession oh. to people. Oh. I wanted to wear a Godzilla kind of onesie, like a they're called like Karagumis or whatever. Mm-hmm. I can't pronounce the word. Uh, onesie, it was too damn hot. Mm-hmm. So not only did I not wear a Godzilla onesie, uh, feety pajamas, I actually was at a friend's place, so I was not near any of my stuff. I had to take a, a camera plushie <laughs> that one of my friends had given me. And as we were going, my friend was like, I don't, that one's not in the movie, mm-hmm. is it? And I was like, no, no. I go, this one's actually a friend of the children. And they were like, what? And I was like, oh. And I could see judging eyes as I went through the uh, to the theater. But now, see, now I feel so relieved. I've let that off my chest because nobody knew except for my like couple of friends that went with me that night. <laughs> well, it it couldn't have been. It, it, at least it would have looked much better than that Godzilla costume that uh, just hit the net. Where it, it's going to be a Halloween costume, and it looks no, looks no, worse than than the initial costume they released. <laughs> it looks really bad. It looks just as bad. Actually, it looks as bad as the pull down hoodie one too. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Actually, I was going to say, at least I didn't bring a 98 Godzilla toy with me. Or even worse, I need to make my own Matthew Broderick plushie doll mm-hmm. and bring it to, like, Godzilla 2. Then everyone around me would hate me. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but to find, I guess, for more people to find my ranting. Um, we are on Twitter mm-hmm. as the Kaiju Kingdom. We are on Facebook as the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. Mm-hmm. We are also on Tumblr as the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast.tumblr.com. Also, if you feel the need to pester us through email, we are the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and that's where you can find our collective work. And I believe Chris will let us know whether it's on iTunes. It's in the process right now. Still working on that uh, the very necessary uh, uh, kind of logo art. The iTunes is still being very picky about that. So I'm I'm working with someone right now to create uh, to create a, uh, um, a, a, a an icon image because I could just submit anything, but it's very hard to change it once you put it in there. So um, I'm I'm trying to create something that I can use as the logo for the show as well. So uh, bear with me for a, for couple more days but we should be up pretty soon though it's not just it's, it's, all, it's all it's all hankering on it's all hanging on some art that's all it's, that's all it's hanging on right now yes yes and also but meanwhile it's on panzer crush. it is on panzer crush it's where we are currently being hosted where you guys can hear. yes and um we're i'm working on some other uh outlets as well right now too i i don't want to go too vague into them because when I say, you know, last time I said it, like, oh, yeah, we're going to be on iTunes soon. Uh, yeah, it's been already a couple of months, so I don't want to give give people too much hope right now. And I'm not saying I'm taking it away, but I just don't want to get everybody's ho- hopes up right now. So um, it, we're, we're, it's being worked on, believe me, and right now it's just a matter of artwork. So uh, iTunes should be up pretty soon. Right. So. Right. And where are we? Where are we going to hunt you down virtually online? You can find me on therealmcast.com, where I am the co-editor there, and I do a lot of. Uh, I do a few podcasts. I do the Take Two podcast with uh, George Cadero, the 
editor-in-chief over there. That's our weekly news recap site. I also do what we call the regular show, and that's uh, kind of where we just sit around and, uh, and uh, you know, chat, kind of like we do here. Uh, we also have, uh, I also make appearances on our other shows, the Rundown uh, Arrow, and I will be on the upcoming Rundown Flash, where we'll be recapping Flash, the new Flash TV show weekly. And we also have the Comics Unchained, which I make appearances on there too, run by my buddy uh, Sergio Sanchez in Indiana. So you can find us there. And then, uh, Jessica, where can you find more of your work? Actually, before I answer that, I wanted to know, because we had briefly spoken about, oh my goodness, not Zack Snyder, although his take on Godzilla would be interesting. Mm -hmm. Sorry, that was a completely side rant. (laughs) That was not the Tourette's moment. Mm -hmm. But I was actually going to say, on your podcast, have you already spoken about the title of the new Man of Steel film? Because it would be very interesting to hear the musings and rants of the scholar known as Christine. Oh, we did. That's going to be our bonus holiday, our bonus Memorial Day episode that should be going up either... uh, as you hear this, uh, either tonight or by Monday. So we we, uh, we did a back-to-back episode because there was just so much news. We couldn't contain it all in one episode. So um, you will hear it by the end of this weekend, though. So go give that a look, uh, or listen to it, if you will. We talk a lot. We also we touch upon the Star Wars news and a couple of other really interesting things. So, But okay. just, yeah, the, the, they kind of killed... Uh, they kind of killed my anticipation for for Batman and Superman with that terrible, terrible, terrible title. Oh my God, is it a bad? friend actually pointed out if it was a video game title, nobody would have given a crap. But since it's not a video game title, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's gonna be interesting. Yeah. But yes, I mean, where to find me? Um, I'm Jessica, the comic book girl, all one word, like the comic book girl is all one word on Facebook. Mm-hmm. But please inbox me. I have now learned to check my other folder. I apologize to those in the past. Uh, and just say, hey, you know, I heard you here, or I met you there, you know, because I meet, you know, not a large number of people, but I meet enough people, and I'm always afraid I may have forgotten you where we've met, but I'm pretty good at remembering faces and names. So just be like, oh, you know, I heard you with Chris, you know, on the Kaiju Kingdom podcast, and I will I will accept your Facebook friend request. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also I am uh, thecomicbookgirl.com and also thegirlandgeek.com. I've also been kind of, I would say, guest writing almost on actually the Realmcast. And we'll see. You guys can let me know how I'm doing. Is it is it good opinion or is it like this is feminine opinion? <laughs> uh, or just... <laughs> you've been airing an air of class to that site. I'll, I'll say that. Have I been? Mm-hmm. I felt like some people private messaged me about my Wednesday Mary Jane post uh, for the Amazing Spider-Man mm-hmm. too, and so you know I also write for them on there. And from all those sites and Facebook, it tell you it'll lead you to my Twitter and all the various other places. I am hopefully a less annoying version of Justin Bieber according to Social Network. So I'm everywhere, but hopefully in a much more classy fashion. Well, all right. Well, that will do it for us for this week. Thanks for hanging out for this episode. We know we got a little long-winded, but again, we had a lot to talk about. Uh, Join us next time when uh, we'll be talking about some toys, and we got uh, hopefully a couple of guests uh, lined up for, for you guys with some interesting things to talk about. 
All right, so for myself and Jessica Sang. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.